Chapter 10. Does doing the right thing always involve so many demon lizard dogs? It turned out the flashlight didn't do much, if you didn't count the whole defying the laws of physics thing. While Pau flicked it on and off, Dante held the chancla, turning it over and over in his hands, narrowing his eyes at it like it was failing some kind of test. If I at least had my stupid Boy Scout's compass, we could use it to get out of here, he grumbled, chucking the slipper to the ground where it kicked up a little cloud of desert sand. Yeah, Pau said, but her brain was already taking his words and running with them. A compass. That's what the flashlight was acting like. Pau thought fast. A compass was a magnet that interacted with the Earth's own magnetic field. But there was nothing magnetic about a flashlight, was there? How could the beam of light be reacting to the Earth? I think we have to follow it, Pau said, knowing how crazy she sounded. She couldn't explain why the flashlight was acting like a compass, but she'd never been so so in need of a true north. Huh? The light. It's holding its direction, like some kind of freaky compass. Maybe if we follow it, it'll lead us out, Dante said, cramming the slipper into his back pocket again and coming to stand shoulder to shoulder with Pau. Even though she normally despised being interrupted, especially when she was on the verge of a scientific breakthrough, Pal let him have this one. It was the first thing that had felt like progress in a long time. In, wait, how long had they been here, anyway? The sky hadn't changed at all. It was still a uniform gray, even though it had to be approaching dusk. And they had left the apartment complex at dawn. You have five days, Signora Mata had said. Five days until what? A chill crept up Pau's spine, and she flicked the flashlight on again, the beam faint but definitely visible. They needed to get out of here, and soon. And if this flashlight could help them, Pau decided she wouldn't hold its fundamental disagreement with the laws of science against it. Let's go, she said, keeping her new sense of urgency to herself. Dante nodded, and together they rotated until the beam of light was pointing straight ahead. Pau drew an X in the dirt with her sneaker toe to mark their starting place. So we'll know if we're backtracking, she explained. And Dante nodded again, his face anxious and a little pale in the strange light. They had only been following the beam for a half a minute or so when it abruptly changed direction. The hair on Pau's arm stood up. Whoa, Dante said under his breath. It's sending us back the way we came, Pau said, feeling defeated. We can't go that way. Let's just keep going straight for a little longer. But I thought the whole point was to, Dante began, then trailed off when he saw Pau's expression. This way it is, he said, holding up his hands in surrender. Pau turned off the flashlight and focused on a cactus a few yards ahead that she was sure had been in the path of the beam before. She kept her eyes locked on it as they walked in the flashlight beam. The daylight itself seemed to bend and shimmer, and in less time than it had taken them to get this far, they were back at the X again. This doesn't make sense, Pau said again, but with notably less hysteria. She remembered a Thomas Edison quote from a poster in the science room at school. I have not failed. I have just found 10,000 ways that will not work. She glanced at Dante, who was pinching his lips closed. Don't gloat, she said. I didn't say a word. This time, they left the flashlight on. When it changed direction, so did they. Relinquishing control was not Pau's favorite thing to do, but she tried not to keep track of where they'd been, or think about which way they were headed. She just followed it, and Dante followed her. And after 30 minutes or so of zigzagging and backtracking and what felt like walking in circles, they still hadn't returned to the X on the ground. 
Pow didn't understand. But so what? Whatever was happening, it was working. They'd be out of here before they knew it. When the terrain changed, Pow could have cried from relief if she hadn't already done too much crying for one day. The gray of the sky began to deepen and change, taking the purples and reds of an Arizona sunset. Had they really been out here for 12 hours? The cacti grew thicker, saguaros giving way to shorter, scrubbier versions Pow didn't recognize. Even after her many units on the local flora and fauna in school, the plants were round and pale, and they almost glowed. Pow thought they looked a little like jellyfish. Any minute now, she said, her throat parched from a long day without water, her belly empty her empty belly grumbling. Any minute now they'd emerge from the field and then they could figure out where they were and what to do next. Right? Pow, look out! She reacted instinctively before she even knew what she was supposed to be looking out for. Grasping the flashlight tightly, she spun out of the way as a dark shape came running straight toward her. What the she began, and there was no time to finish the thought. There was another shape, moving too fast to make out to make out, and another. Pow's heart was in her throat as she ran in the opposite direction, the crocheted bag flopping against her stinging back wound, her hand clammy around the flashlight's case. Dante, she called out behind her, but there was no answer. Dante! Out of breath, she stopped for just a minute, clutching at a stitch in her side, her eyes wide open in case there were more of whatever those were. That's when she saw it. A few yards away, standing perfectly still, she froze, too, afraid that if she moved, it would set the thing off. The scientist and Pow couldn't help but try to categorize it, even as the rest of her was panicking and seeking escape. It wasn't a dog. It was way too big and terrifying for that. Plus, between clumps of fur and clumps of matted fur, it had scaly patches that looked like lizard skin covering at least half of its body. Its eyes glowed the same green as her dream river, the same green that Senora Mata's candle flames had turned before she and Dante were forcibly ejected from the apartment. But the really bizarre part was the spines running from the top of its head to the tip of its tail. Long green things that almost looked like tentacles waving in a non-existent breeze. There were large, fearsome dogs. Pow had always avoided those breeds during her research, but she conjured up images of them now. The Doberman Pinscher, the Rottweiler, the German Shepherd, this was nothing like any of those. The thing smiled. One scaly lizard lip curled up to reveal a, cr a crowded row of what appeared to be very sharp teeth. Fangs, really, thought the awestruck part of Pow's brain as, it, the rest, as the rest of it tensed her muscles to flee or fight, to do anything but stand there like bait. Only she never got the chance. Before Pow could move an inch, before the beast could release its coiled stance and launch for her throat, something collided with it at an alarming speed. So much for not standing here like bait, she thought, paralyzed with horror and fascination as a human-shaped blur with dark skin and silver-white curls battled with the monster. There were grunts and thuds and the occasional dog-like whimper, but mostly there was the pounding of blood in Pow's ears. What could she do? All she had were a shopping bag, a flashlight, and the Florida water. Pow's mind raced back to the Riverside Palace as she dug down in the bag for its last remaining item. She and Dante had smeared the smelly stuff on themselves before the green light and the mist of, and that horrible and that horrible screening. Had it helped them get out of the apartment unscathed? And if so, could it help here too? 
About 20 yards to her left, her silver-haired savior seemed to be running out of steam. There was nothing to do but try. With a war cry, she'd be totally embarrassed about later. Pow charged toward the fight, the shopping bag swinging wildly from her flashlight hand. The cologne bottle at the ready. Her pulse was racing thanks to the person girl who was about to become dog food in front of her. It was definitely a girl, Pow decided when she got there. Her hair was silver gray like the old ladies at, Mal at Senora Mao's bingo nights, but her skin, darker even than Pow's, was useful. The girl was on her back on the ground, scrambling, scrabbling for a weapon just out of reach. While a hundred plus pounds of slavering paranormal demon beast stood on top of her, pressing into her, pressing her into the grit. Pow took a deep breath and clenched her teeth and pushed herself to sprint across the last few yards between them. Oh no, groaned the girl when Pow came into view. Not now, but Pow was undeterred. She uncapped the bottle full of premature righteous triumph and poured it with the utmost confidence on the beast's head. Take that, she screamed, causing the horrifying creature to look up at her in confusion. A second passed, and then another, and nothing happened. The demon lizard dog didn't disintegrate or start to smoke or howl in pain or do any of the dying creature things that Pow had hoped for. It just stared at her with those fathomless glowing eyes, eyes that promised the underworld full of monsters her mom had always said were real. Oh no, Pow said, stealing herself for certain death as this beast exhaled hot, putrid breath in her face. But the fight wasn't over. The not-dog's moment of distraction had given the silver-haired girl a much-needed advantage. She found a reserve of strength and heaved its massive body off her, much smaller one, leaping to her feet and kicking out hard with a worn black combat boot. The beast rolled over and whimpered, and Pow joined in with the kicking enthusiastically, her sneakers making less of an impact than the girl's boots, but the dog creature didn't get up. Here, shouted the girl, tossing Pow a length of silvery rope, Tie her back legs. Her? Pow wondered, almost deliriously. But she did as she was told, taking advantage of the animal's position on its back, all four appendages waving in the air, to grasp the back legs in an awkward hug before wrapping the rope around them. The cord was slippery and hard to tie, like moonlight turned into rope. But once she got it secured with one of Dante's boy scout knots, the legs went still. The girl had managed to tie up the front legs, too, and now the only movement the dog that was not a dog seemed capable of was thrashing its head back and forth, its green eyes rolling madly, a black tongue hanging from its mouth. Wow, Pal managed weakly, embarrassed when her knees turned to jello and as all the adrenaline left her. I... Wow. She sank ungracefully to the ground, her head spinning like the washing machines at the laundromat. Once Silverhair had tied up the beast's snout, subduing the creature completely, she walked over and looked down at Pow disdainfully like she was some stupid kid, even though this girl couldn't have been much older than Pow. Without a word, she pulled a knife from her belt, not as ornate as the weapon Marissa Martinez had used to stab Pow, but reminiscent of it all the same, and with a fluid practice gesture slid it between the beast's ribs. Pow watched in fascination and horror as its body quivered, as the atoms it was made of seemed to let go of each other one by one until it was gone. What were you thinking? Silverhair asked, picking up Pow's bottle of Florida water with two fingers, like it might bite. You wanted her to smell worse before she tore you into tore into you, little tourist 
You wanted her to smell worse before she tore into tore you into little tourist shreds. It turned out Pal wasn't too freaked out to be mad, which was a good sign, she thought. I was thinking that you probably saved my life and that letting that thing, like, literally eat you in front of me wouldn't be a very polite way to repay you. Plus, I mean, it didn't work, did it? Or it worked, didn't it? The girl scoffed. Your perfume didn't do anything. She was just confused that a human snack was running up to her instead of running away in fear. You're lucky she didn't rip your head off. Oh, yeah, Pa said, getting back to her feet, pleased that her irritation seemed to have steadied her knees. Maybe you can show me that move you were doing, the one where you lie on the ground while a monster gets ready to rip out your throat. Pow! A voice rang out from behind them, but Pow didn't turn, afraid to lower her guard around the now murderous-looking silver-haired girl. Just because they had teamed up against the demon not-dog didn't mean they were on the same side. I'm here, Pow called, not breaking eye contact. Are you okay? I couldn't find... Dante stopped just short inside Pow's field of vision. Who's your friend? Oh, lovely, said the girl. Two tourists what I need. Why don't you both just go back to where you came from? Pow thought about the, that suggestion as she sized up the girl. She wasn't even an inch taller than Pow, and her scraggly clothes looked like they'd weathered more than one night in the desert without being washed or mended. Her hair caught what little light was in the sky and glowed like the rope they, they'd used to tie up the beast. She oozed confidence and was battle-worn and through and tough, but her face was still round, her cheeks soft, her eyes large, and dark like a doll's. She's a kid too, Pow thought. Maybe an eighth grader? Definitely not in high school. We can't go home, Pow said, deciding to tell the truth. There's something freaky going on there, and we're stuck in here, and our friend is missing. We think she might be here somewhere, because she trailed off, not sure how much she should share about Marissa Martinez's rising from a watery grave. There's no other tourists here besides you two, said the girl unconcerned with whatever facts Pow might be leaving out, and that's too, too many. Now get lost. She turned to leave, and Pow felt panic rise in her throat. Wait, said Dante, and Silverhair stopped. We're tired, okay? Hungry? You've been out here? I don't even know how long. Can we at least trade you for something to eat? The girl sized him up, and Pow did too, trying to imagine seeing him for the first time. His cheek was cut and bleeding, his hair full of sand. He looks tough, like silver hair, Pow thought. He might be someone she'd listen to, someone who wouldn't do something foolish like dump smelly water on a dog. But the girl didn't seem interested in Dante's appearance or his wound. Her eyes, Pow could see from here, were zeroed in on the slipper still dangling from his left hand. Great, Pow thought. If she didn't think we were crazy before. Where did you get that? Silver hair asked, gesturing at it. What, this? Dante asked, lifting the chancla, which now looked even more worse than for wear. Silverhair flinched when he held it up, which confused Pow more than ever. Sure, chanclas were scary enough, but this girl had just taken a monster on a monster single-handedly. Was she really afraid of a grandma's slipper? Do you know what that is? Pow asked her, and the girl rolled her eyes. Of course I do. I know an armadillama when I see one. She paused. Oh God, do you not know what it is? Pow wondered again how much to tell her about Emma, about Signora Mata, about the green light and the kidnapper and the weird mist around the Riverside Palace, about the dreams and Ondina and Marissa, about Pau's fear that this was her fault, that 
being the dreamer, whatever that was, had brought this on all of them. In the end, she shook her head. It's a slipper, she said. His grandma calls it the chunkla. It changed when she gave it to us. It turned blue. The girl looked sideways at Pal. I guess you'd better come with me after all, she said. Carrying that thing around without knowing how to use it makes you a danger to yourselves and everyone else. It wasn't much of an invitation. Silverhair turned and walked off, not even looking back to make sure they were following. Pal thought she was going the wrong way, but if she'd learned anything about this place today, it was that directions and memories and basically reality in general could be misleading. Dante looked at Pal and shrugged. She shrugged back. What else was there to do but follow? The glint of the nameless girl's hair led them into the strange, misty dusk, and Pau couldn't shake the feeling that no matter which route they were taking home, even if even the idea of it was getting farther and farther away. <laughs>